Amen. So we all ready? This morning, I want to tell you, sometimes is my worst, but has been even more so just recently. I'm in a militant mood. I'm in a militant mood this morning. I can tell by your faces that you feel just the way that I do. Amen. And this morning, um, I was sharing with Pastor Tony last night. We were just out at the gym, just bouncing off a few things together. And one of the things I felt that the Lord was saying to us, gave me the word a couple of weeks ago. I didn't know that I'd be preaching today, but he gave me a word, a word while I was away on holiday. I just sat on the balcony and instantly the word came and I write it all down. It was like, right, that's done and dusted. Just need to top and tail it. But this morning, I want to speak to you about an issue called bringing terror to terror. Bringing terror to terror. Colossians 1 and verse 28 declares this. We proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. What are we looking to do? To present every man and woman complete. Depending which translation, it will say made whole. It will say uh, come to completeness. It will be talking about maturity. But the scripture we're using this morning is that we're made complete in Christ. And everyone complete in him. Now and for the times to come. Because on the day that you're found and needed, you better be made complete. There's nothing worse, you know, than when you was a kid or doing something, you had your jigsaw and you got to the end and there was a piece missing. Or you were ma- had a game and uh, there was the strategic part that was missing. I remember there was one time when uh, that Joel was only a child and it was Christmas. And we got this game that he wanted. But the one bit that made it work wasn't in the box. So the one thing he wanted was found to be missing. You couldn't find it anywhere. Cheesed him off because it was the one thing he'd wanted all year. I want this game, I want this game, and the bit was missing. Of course, you've always got the call our customer helpline. And uh, we will, of course, send you one of these out in the post. Which is no good on Christmas morning. It's no good. It's also the same as when, uh, you know, you read that little sign that comes in. When it's not only have you got the Made in China sticker, but it says batteries not included. And you've got all this wonderful all singing, all dancing thing that's ready to go. That after 10 minutes, you want to pull the batteries out of anyway and throw out the window. But when the batteries aren't there, what's needed to make it function is out of the way. In verse 25 of the same chapter of Colossians 1, Paul says this, I was commissioned by God to present to you the word of God in fullness. God's not looking to give us half measures. He's looking to hold nothing back, but pour everything out that we need to take us to this place that will cause us to come to full maturity in Christ. Now, Pastor Tony, over the last two weeks, has been speaking and talking about the issue of having the foundation built into your life. Is that correct? And we know from Hebrews chapter 6 that Paul says, let's not go again to the basic principles of laying the foundation of baptism, laying on of hands, repentance from dead works, judgment towards Christ, etc. That foundation is laid once and for all at our salvation principle that when Jesus Christ enters my life and becomes Lord and Savior, the foundation is laid. But for the rest of my life, that foundation is built upon. Now, sometimes it's built upon right and sometimes it's built upon wrong. The fivefold ministry is there to equip us, to train us and make us complete. It's a case of that the Christ is formed on the inside that we can manifest him on the outside. Amen. It's not just about how much do I know, but I have the power to become. Jesus said, I give you the power to become sons of the living God. It's not about just what I do. It's the power to become, to be made whole. Now, Pastor Tony's already touched on this over the last few weeks, and I just want to use it as a reference point. And that is Psalm 11 verse 3 declares, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? How can a foundation be destroyed if Jesus Christ is our rock? If Jesus is the rock, there is no eroding process that erodes Christ because he is the rock. He is unmovable in our lives. The issue is this, that one of the major works of the enemy in your life is to try and convince you that you have no foundation or destroy the knowledge and understanding that you have of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to read to you a very 
what you would class maybe an out of context scripture, but let's build it into principle here. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 3, it declares this. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming and even now is already in the world. The spirit of the Antichrist is not you watching Damien the film and he's the birth and he's coming out and he's going to take over and he'll be the savior of the world. The spirit of the Antichrist is anything that denies that Jesus Christ will manifest in and through your life. So when that pops up, that thought that says, you're not clean enough, you don't know enough, you've let him down too many times, how can God trust you? You'll never make it. Why should anybody listen to you? All of that is the spirit of the Antichrist. It looks to erode away the foundation that Jesus Christ is the solid rock on which you build your life. You know, they turn around and they say this. People, you hear it say that, that it's declared that... Um, the Antichrist can never, ever say that Jesus is Lord. Well, I've read the Gospels and I would beg to differ. I would beg to differ when the demons cried out and said, what will you do with the Son of the Most High? It can say his name, even if you read in Luke 22, verse 3. It says, and then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot. He was one of the twelve. That was before the Last Supper. He's still hanging around the guys. He's still got communion with the fellas. He's still going to have the meal. He's still talking to Jesus. And at that time, nothing can say Jesus is Lord. I think not. The principle that we have is trying to remember that all of the time, the enemy wants to erode that foundation. And you'll find that Pastor Tony has been laboring and will continue to labor the point about the, the strength of that foundation which is built in your life. Now, as a passing point, here's something for your own personal study. Here's a little Brucey bonus for you this morning. The scripture declares that Jesus Christ is our foundation that no man can lay again. Foundation Jesus Christ, correct? Is that Bible? Yes. But that foundation is built by on the apostles and prophets. Yes. They build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. So they reveal Jesus Christ more and more. That is the role of the apostolic teaching, to reveal and build Jesus in you more and more. Why apostles and prophets in the fivefold ministry gift? Why do they build on that foundation? Principle number one, first prophets, because when you see through the New Testament, you see that there is the gift of the prophet, the prophet that we move, I can prophesy in the congregation. That doesn't make me a prophet. That means I can move in the area of prophecy. Prophecy is somebody who's an office that speaks to cities, regions, nations. Is a God-given gift to the body of Jesus Christ. Not that I function in it. But if you just think of this basic principle, 90% of the Old Testament is written by prophets. It takes the prophetic to understand the prophetic. The New Testament is written by the apostles. It's written on the old and the new coming together into one piece. When I take the old and I take the new, I have the complete picture. The picture of the Old Testament pointing to the Christ, the New Testament, his life revealed and showing how we build from that point forward. So we build on that foundation, amen? Now this is the whole thing. The crux of, in some ways, Andy touched on it this morning in 1 John 3 and verse 8. I know we've got quite a few scriptures. I don't apologize for that this morning. It says, the son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the evil one. Now, in this process, if God is looking to build a foundation, that we take the entirety of God's word and use it, which is good for, for teaching, for edification, for training in righteousness. If all of that is being built into our lives and the enemy's trying to draw that back out of us, we have to remember something. That Christ came and he destroyed the works of the evil one who wanted to affect in our lives. So what he'll do is he'll come and start to press. He'll start to press us back. He'll start to say, it's not right. Well, you've had your breakthrough, Jill. It was fine. You was an agent of change. It was fine. God might have given you a word. He's spoken over you. But what about this? And what about that? And he starts to try and push back. He tries to intimidate. He tries to say, what God has spoken over you, he didn't really mean. Why, why should he love you? Why should he trust you? Why out of all of these people did he give a word to you, Jill? You don't deserve a word. You know what? you don't deserve a word. I know you don't deserve a word. So don't try and convince yourself. Don't try and deceive yourself. Because you and I know it's all a lie. And that Pastor Peter, when he came over, he spoke the word on you. He was just being nice because he didn't mean it. Does that sound familiar to anyone? That at that moment, 
when God reveals his word and we start stepping out in the area of freedom that Andy was talking about this morning, as we start to declare, instantly it starts to push. So when it starts to push, what do you and I do? We push back. We push back. Now, I might be little. Might be little on the outside. But, you know, one of the things is, God bless me. See, there's a difference with me and Pastor Tony. See, you might be only an inch taller than I am. But, you see, the thing is, in all of this, God bless me with this wonderful, wonderful thing that I thank him for. Great. At times, I might have to ask him to get something off the top shelf because I can't reach. Doesn't make any difference. But what I have and what God blessed us with is a wonderful, slow center of gravity. So because of that, you try and push me over. Back in the day, when my temperament was slightly different, and I used to play football more than I do now, which is never, I used to have this wonderful name called the Rhino. Because if you push me, I'm going to push you back. It wasn't the shape of my nose, by the way. If you push me, I'm going to push you back. And this is the point that when we talk this morning, and we'll get to it later, I'm just laying some foundations for you. This whole principle of bringing terror to terror, that when he pushes, we're in our rights to push back. Now, Andy already declared it this morning. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. But the issue is, will you live in freedom? And do you understand that you have been made free? Now, we sang the song, we've already mentioned it this morning earlier, that he is constant in the trial and the change because our lives are being changed from one degree of glory to the next. Amen. That we look and we demonstrate him. We push through. But, you know, one of the greatest issues that you will ever face in your life, one of the biggest hurdles that we'll ever think that you've got to try and get across, and it's a boundary you think we never get anywhere, is this whole thing called fear. Fear. We think of fear, and it's only a small word, only four letters. Dyslexic Phil can even count four. It's only four letters, but it's one of those words that will hold us captive every day of our lives if we let it. Even if you have to look at how many scriptures or how many stories biblically does God have to say to someone, do not be afraid, be courageous, take heart, do not fear their faces. All the issues that you face on a daily basis, the heroes of God faced exactly the same things. That fear comes along. But you know the fear of this? Fear of man. Fear of rejection. Fear of faces. Fear of acceptance. Fear of judgment. Fear of what will people say. Fear of who am I? Why should anybody listen to me? I can't speak. Fear of ammonia boy. All of these issues are things of, of uh, fear that will push us back. People fear intimacy. They feel rejection. They fear betrayal. They fear lack. They fear exposure, they fear ridicule, they fear loss of face, they fear isolation, and they fear loneliness. All of those things want to push and hold you captives continually. Why should I make a friend? If I try and make a friend, if I try and stretch out, they'll hurt me, people will laugh at me. What if I do something I've never done before? You know, what's going to happen? And it's all these things that just come to contain you in a moment. Isn't it amazing how... You are better than the world's best computer. That you can process data in a flash of a second. That in a second, you can play 14 videos in your head that show you every reason why you shouldn't do it. Shall I give you a basic illustration of that? Basic illustration. There was Angie and I, Thursday, we went to see Mary in the hospital. Wonderful, and it was like, brilliant and we talked to Mary and Peter was there and Liz and we had a chat and we had a good time and everybody was happy and I said Mary you know the people been praying for you well can you continue to pray and she's there in the ward we'll continue to pray and she went whoa whoa don't miss the opportunity you can pray for me now all right (laughs) all right in that moment how many things go through your head of we've got, there's an Asian family here, and what about the old lady there, and they've got the family there, and the nurses stood at the bottom of the bed, and it was everything that processes through your head, and you've got to go, shut up, I'm not, ha-. and you step, stretched out, we laid hands on her, and said, right, and we declared the healing of God upon the lady's life. 
And it was like, great. But instantly, it's amazing. I can stand here telling you, oh, don't be afraid. Just reach out and do it until you've got to face it. Then when you've got to face it, all of this, the madman in the attic starts. And where he's been quiet for so long, the enemy goes, why you? There's nothing in your hands. What about what I told you before? What about when you declared to the people, why do you misrepresent me? All of these things in an instant. I think I wish my computer had the processor that my brain's got to be able to go through these things because it just pushes back so much. You know, but it's all the thing. I start thinking about how will I look? What will people think about me? And God forbid it might make Facebook. Not Facebook. Oh, no. My, my entire life has been destroyed. It's been on Facebook. Comment. Did you see Phil? What a burk. So what? So what? We learn to push. You know, the whole process of this word and the lives that we share together in the body is that not only is the Christ made whole and made complete in you, but you are made complete. Now, as Pastor Tony's been taught, uh, teaching and telling us about the four areas of church, where we're going to progress our training from, do you remember them? Saints. Servants. Thank you, Lisa. Soldiers digging deep. And sonship. It's the four areas that you're pushing through. In each of these areas... Um, I was only telling Pastor Tony, just, I was out and I was praying, I was really pushing into God. And God gave us that scripture about making everyone complete, presenting everyone complete. That has to be a full holistic approach in church. Emotionally, physically, financially, spiritually, marriages, our children, the parenting, everything that we do, we can become the blueprint for our nation, for our city, for the towns that surround us. God builds something inside of us that we are made complete and whole. And I believe that is not a pipe dream. But he's revealing his word to us. He's revealing so much. But it starts with you and I starting to reach out and say, my God, start with me and start today. We're coming to push through to maturity. You know, we started to say before, what about if I step out? What about if I want to make a friend and somebody doesn't? I might feel hurt. I might feel rejected. I might get bounced. Yes, you might. You might get hurt. Somebody might be a burke and not be a good friend back to you. People might act like idiots. Do you know why? Because people are idiots. Do you know why I know people are idiots? Because I'm an idiot. I do stupid things. I don't always intentionally want to do it, but I'll say something. And you know when the words have come out and then you can't get them back and you're trying to wind it back and then you're digging the hole and it just gets deeper. I know that I'm not speaking to anybody in here this morning. I'm only speaking to Phil because you've all listened to the tapes before. But you know, it's that point of saying, am I willing to get hurt? Am I willing to take a risk so that this corporate body becomes stronger, becomes whole, and that we reflect him? Now, I'll wear my heart on my sleeve for you this morning. I've not told the story for a long time. And I know there's some new people in, so I'll tell you again. I'll tell you about my wooden, uh, my wooden <laughs> leg. It's this one. I picked it up in a wall. I'll tell you about my wonderful... Um, Choosing my words, my wonderful romance that I had with Ange. Is that all right? Just for a moment. Can it self-indulge just for a moment? It's almost recently. It's almost recently. I was 16 at the time, so it was recently, as you said, Kath. It was very recently. There was that time when, do you know when you look in the mirror and think, you are God's gift to the world? So I said, Ange, you can't keep saying that. And... Um, no, you think that you're God's gift. And I was in college, and, well, was in college at the time, but Angie had been in my class at school for the last three years. And, you know, it's always, there'd never been any kind of attraction. And then suddenly, you know, you see her in a certain light and, you know, you get in the picture, don't you? It's like a harmony hairspray moment where they just run and the hair's wafting in the wind. It was all one of those things. So, of course, yours truly goes, well, that looks a bit of all right. So, you know, I am going to pursue her with all that I am. So I did not pull off my poetry book from off the top shelf. I did not think, what's the best way to woo her? I thought, right, I'll wait till the sixth form social and I'll give it my best shot. So that was it. I picked my moment. The stage was set. 
waiting for her. And as Anne, she's always late. I don't know if you've noticed. But I'm waiting. And I'm sat with all my mates. And I've told my mates, just you wait. See that one there? Harmony Air Freight. Moment. She's going to be mine later. She's going to be mine. And all your mates are all laughing. They're all laughing going, go on then, let's see. And then the doors swing open. And it's almost like everything's in slow motion. And she walks across the dance floor. She's not doing the YMCA where you're running to the dance floor. She walks across the dance floor. And I got that from my mate. She's here. She's here. <laughs> Thought, right. Then all of my strategies and planning went out of the, <laughs> just went out of the window. Because I'm giddy now. I'm giddy. There's no fear of rejection. There's no fear of hurt. Because why? <laughs> There's only one person in her life. And it has to be me. Because if she sees in the mirror what I see in the mirror, there can only be one choice, can't there? There cannot be anybody else. So, shoulders went back. Up pops a little button. One of those. Strolled across doing my best John Wayne. As she's standing on the dance floor walking in. Thought, what do you do? And you know when I said that processor works so quick? It was working quick, but my brain couldn't catch up. Walked up, grabbed her in my arms, embraced her, kissed her. Just pushed her back, held her by the hand and just went, hi. <laughs> and her response was, hi, have you met my boyfriend? <laughs> so it's like. But it only took a week. It only took a week. I tell you, how World War Three did not break out that night, I don't know. But that was kind of uh, my introduction to Ange. Then she pursued me. <laughs> but the issue was, there are times in your life you do not think about the consequences. And in that issue, and at that time, I didn't even think about how she would feel. It was all about me. I was consumed with what I wanted and what I was going to do. Now, at times in church and in life, we do things because I want to do it and I'm consumed with the actions that I take. But I don't always take everybody else into consideration. And then I wonder why people reject me. I wonder why I get bounced back because I go like a bullet at a gate and say, this is the way it should be, or I'm going to do it this way. I just step out. Now, in that moment... Everything worked out all right, but it only has to happen once or twice. Get your fingers burnt in relationships or something that happens in church, and we decide we're no longer moving forward because it's safer to stay where I am. It's safer to stay in my circle, and it's safer just to do what I've always done. Would that be true? Is anybody going to tell the truth in here this morning? We go, right, let's not reach out. Let's stay exactly as we are. But you know, I said to you before, didn't I? I said to you about the whole thing of fear. We said it's four lessons or four letters, didn't we? Fear breaks down like this. False evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. Because, you know, I have found out in my own life experience that, you know what, I may not have got the best exam results at school, but I am a top scientist mathematician, politician, economist, everything that could ever happen, I'm an expert at when it comes to fear. Because I'll be able to break down every single thing. Well, if I start this relationship with Z and Z's there, uh, well, Z could be like this. And I know this from a different part. He's come from, from uh, Zambia. And if he's in Zambia, what's it like in Zambia? Not Zambia. It's um, Zimbabwe. That's it. No one began with the same letter. So... So there it is, and we've got different cultures, and we might clash. So if we clash, what's it going to be like? And then people might think, well, this is different. Phil can't keep a relationship. So in all of that, it's probably better I leave Z on his own. All of the things that come along, the fear of what might happen, could happen, should happen, will always hold me back. But we've already said this morning, we've learned to find out that God is our source. God is our strong tower. He's our fortress. The righteous run to him. So we learn to say, right, okay, who the sun sets free is free indeed. Yes? But also in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7, it declares this. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and as a sound mind. I thank God for a sound mind. 
it might not be sound to you, but in my world, everything's all right. Okay? I thank God for a sound mind. What is a sound mind? A sound mind enables me to be able to keep perspective and make right choices. I have to keep everything into perspective. You know, again, just harking back to the story of Mary just being in hospital. She said, they have told me I could have this internal bleeding could have been an ulcer that has bled. Or they said it could be the early signs and something there that it's cancer. But that's what they say. It's not what my God said. Now, our kind of experiences that we carry through in life... You look at stuff and somebody says, cancer. What does that mean to you? Now, it means to you what it means depending what exposure you've had. My dad died of cancer. So my dad died of cancer. My dad found out he had cancer and was dead for, with inside three months. It was a really quick process. So in the thought of cancer, you have to arrest something and go, whoa, 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 whoa. And even if it was cancer... My God can still intervene, no matter where it is. Now, for some of you may have been around long enough, but do you remember the time when we, we do strange things in the Dream Center? I don't know if you've noticed, but at times we do what seems to be strange. Do you remember the season of, I believe I can fly? Yeah, and every family went away and they made their own banner they brought it into church and said, this is what we declare over the life of our house. This is what we declare over our kids. And people had, you know, there was breakthrough, there was salvation, there was all kinds of things. In our family, the banner we made, I put a speed limit sign with 70 on it. And somebody said, why have you put a speed limit on your banner? I said, it's not a speed limit. I said, in my family, nobody lives to old age. My dad died at 43. My mum died at 60 years of age. And it's like, that's not going to come to us because already family go, we're not long livers, us. Oh, yeah, well, you know, we, we go up. Well, we're gone like a moth. Oh, we're up. We're gone. We're gone. Well, that's not me. But guess what? All you need is that doctor to say, oh, that kidney's playing up again. Oh, you're feeling your fear starts to grab us. And I'm held into that. What if it's cancer? You know what happened to your dad? Three months gone. All of these things are things that you have to, when it's pushing, learn to push back. We have a saying that we use in-house, and that is, how do people treat you? The answer is, the way you let them. So when the enemy tries to push, how does he treat you? The way you let him. He'll take more and more ground in your life, the way you're feeling emotionally captive. You'll never make friends. You can't break out. Why you? You were the ugly kid. You're the last one chosen at football. Whatever it is, he'll use whatever he's got to push you back. But will we let him? Because Christ turns around and the scripture says that we're looking to made or be made complete in Christ. He gives us everything we need for life and godliness, that he holds nothing back from us. It's time that we can take what has been given legally and start to push him back. Amen. Amen. We start to push him back. There is more and more context every week for that banner we've got at the back of church with those guys locking shields than ever before. It's a time to lock shields. But can I tell you something? Since we made that declaration of locking, locking shields, we have seen more lives go over, more sickness come in than ever before. Why? Because the enemy goes, oh, you're locking shields, are you? Let's see if we can push you back. How much ground? And what you'll find that people are standing as they're bending and you're feeling the weight of stuff and other people come alongside them and strengthen you behind so that your legs don't give way. And he holds and pushes back. But this is our time to stand strong and to push him back. Amen. Now, this is the point where I want to launch from. I want to launch from this. In the last building in the spirit, this is the word that was given us. The winds of the spirit from the four corners of heaven will blow through the house until Christmas. Underline until Christmas. It is time bound. There is an expiry date on this word. Until Christmas. Yes, we all heard that. To do a specific work, to cleanse, to refresh, 
to deliver, to restore, to heal. To cleanse, to refresh, to deliver, to restore, to heal. There is a specific wind which is blowing across the house that says, my God, in this time, there is a window of opportunity that's just open. Step in. Step in. This is not a day to miss your visitation. This is a day to take action. It's a time to press in, to break away from captivity and to push him back and to take your stance that you should always have once and for all. The line is drawing the sand. We've still got it here that if you look, you can still see the line where the oil was on the floor. Do you remember some years ago in the building in the spirit? God gave us the oil and we drew it on the floor and he said, this is our line. We stand from this point and we push from that point out. And God says, I am given a season where you may have been tired. You may have been hurt. You may have been broken. This is a time to be healed, to be restored, to be made whole and to take your stand. This is a time when you can push forward to join your shield. What strength have I got? Get in line and find out. Get in line and find out again. We're joining. We're pushing from that point. It's time to stop being sick and tired of being sick and tired. It's time to get to that place of stop falling out with yourself, get in line and say, this is it. God, I'm in once and for all. Now we've had so many analogies, the analogies of get in the boat, stay in the boat, come off the shore. We're crossing to the other side. All of that is still relevant. But now what's happening is God's starting to declare almost like a militant, a military stance in church that says, we're not just a hospital. Yes, it's a place where people are cared for and nurtured and trained. But if this is going to be a governing house, a house that will push towards the city, I need different materials. Get the materials that will push through. It's time to face some things that you've been running away from for too long. Now, you know the whole thing about facing things that you don't want to face. There's a reason that they're still not faced. It's uncomfortable. I don't want to face it. I don't like change. I don't want to push through. What happens if it's different? As we said, what if I get hurt? Do you know the momentary or short period of time of being uncomfortable while you learn something new, learning to change is worth it for what comes at the other end. Illustration. I was just away on holiday with Pastor Tony. And Pastor Tony, in the majority of times, is a half-decent driver. He's a half-decent. De- half you make your own mind up in that. He's a half-decent driver. We're on holiday, and of course, he keeps getting in the wrong side of the car. Oh, around the other side, sorry. And you already know we're on a hide into nothing here. Equilibrium's already gone. The whole thing of hand-eye coordination. When you've had 30 years of changing gear with your left hand, to suddenly find a gearbox that works the other way around and you're doing it with your right, you just need to know those noises that came out in the first half hour. (coughs) Tony, that's reverse. (coughs) It's it's not me. It's this flipping piece of junk. (coughs) It was discomfort. For everybody. But it's short-term discomfort. It's only every now and then when he had a kind of memory relapse and you'd have certain <coughs> gear changes that you went through the week. But I'm using that very basic illustration is because as we change and we develop and do something for the first time, we do something new, it feels awkward to us. And once I felt embarrassed, you just think you're driving, you've got every pressure. Where am I? I'm in the airport. It's the wrong side of the road in a car I've never driven before. Where am I going? And everybody's looking at you. And you've got that. (coughs) It just adds to your own pressure and embarrassment. Now, I was a constant encouragement in all of this. Um, I had to speak very strongly to my wife on several occasions over the holiday for the way that she laughed and did things, knocked his confidence. But it's it's the same thing. You maybe stand here for the first time and do a testimony. And everything inside of you says, stay in your seat. But, you know, while you're here thinking, they're looking at me. Jill's got that look in her eye. She's just judged me. What's she done? She don't like the way I've said. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Have you upset you? 
All of them things are being processed when everybody's going, go on, go on. We're all cheering that you're stepping out and doing something for the first time. The fear, captivity, everything wants to push you back. But we get the opportunity to bring terror to terror. Now, this is where we change tack. 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're not going to read the chapter because we don't have time. But we know the story. We know the story well. It's a story of David and Goliath. The two armies are facing each other. Philistines on one side, the Israelites on the other. Goliath's there, nine feet tall. He's got his shield. He's got his armor bearer. He's got a javelin on his back. He's got a, a spear like a weaver's rod, whatever a weaver's rod is, but it must be big. He's got his docking big sword. And every day for 40 days, he comes out and he preaches twice a day, morning and evening service to the Israelites. And he declares about, look at me, I'm the big dog. Come and take me on, if you dare. And the Israelites standing there intimidated and in fear. This is the army of the living God. Now remember something, we're missing part of the picture It wasn't like this a few years before. But we'll get to that bit. Now, here's a point. 1 Samuel 17 and verse 1 declares this. Now, the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sokoth in Judah. They pitched their camps in Ephes Damin between Sokoth and Azekar. Now, if that's the wrong pronunciation, I don't care. But Ephes Damin. And when I was preparing yesterday, the Lord said, just look at that. So I did some research, I looked at it, and do you know what the Bible dictionary says? You know what it's declared, Epheth Damin? The boundary of blood. They camped in the valley at the boundary of blood. There was a bloodline that God drew between the two camps. Are we getting a picture? There is a bloodline that was drawn. The Philistines on one side and the Israelites of other. Now, here's the thing about the bloodline. Revelation chapter 12, starting at verse 10. Write this down. You'll need this. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of our Christ have come. Now salvation, now authority, now power, now the kingdom of our Christ. Yes? Bible, all four elements that come together. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Now there is a voice from heaven declaring, now is salvation, now is authority, now is kingdom, now is the power of our God. And the people declared, they overcame by the blood of the lamb. The line is drawn and the word of their testimony. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Remembering what the context is, bringing terror to terror. What you have been fearful of, bring fear to. Because this is a position of they overcame. We know that we are overcomers and we are overcoming, correct? That we're overcomers in Christ, but we have to outwork what Christ is in working. Work out what I am in working in you. Now we said, we started to set the picture. There are two armies, there are two forces. The bloodline separates them. Now there was a pattern that was set in Israel. In 1 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 13, it declares this. So the Philistines were subdued and did not invade Israel territory again. Throughout Samuel's lifetime, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. So while the man was in position, while everything was in order, the Philistines could not cross the line. They could not enter Israel because the hand of the Lord was against them. Then the people broke the pattern. They broke the pattern and said, make us like everybody else. 
give us a king. We no longer want God to be our king. We want a king like the other nations. And God says, okay, I'll give you what you asked for. So they give them Saul. Yes? And then you see the process of Saul. Saul is chosen. He rises. He steps through. And in this place of Saul being king, how quickly he relies on, remember the stuff that Pastor Peter talked about, instead of heavenly wisdom, earthly wisdom. What will the people think? I better act as the priest. And he steps up. He'd given the word of the Lord, do not take the sacrifice till I come. He feared the people that he was losing heart and he went and took the sacrifice. And the moment he sacrificed the animal, Samuel turned up, said, today the kingdom's left you. Today, the hand of the Lord's off you. And at that moment, it gave divine right for the enemy to step in. The enemy stepped in when process was broken. His borders were exposed when he broke order. It says of Saul that he was chosen because he was head and shoulders above everybody else in Israel. Is that right? Because he was the tallest, what a rubbish flipping criteria that is. Because he was the tallest, he got the job. So what does the enemy do? Oh, so you think you're big. I've got one bigger than you and rolls out Goliath, who's more than head and shoulders, bigger than Saul. And Saul there, who was top dog in Israel, because I'm the biggest, strutting around. There's only me and my son got a sword, by the way. We're the ones who's ready for battle. That when somebody bigger than him came, he was left in fear and intimidation, shaking on the other side of the valley, pushing his boys towards the top dog. But we know what happens when we're intimidated, don't we? We know what happens when we feel impressed. We all start quoting James 4, 7. Resist the devil. Sorry? Resist the devil. Brilliant. But what about the first part of the verse? Because we all want to miss the bit that says submit. When I submit to God, then I can resist the devil and he will flee. The issue is all in this, this protection and the process of submission. It's amazing how many times you hear it of young ladies who want to get married and they want to change all the marriage vows that says, I will not honor and I will not submit. Right, well, you do realize that's your protection that you just want to take right out of the window. They want to release that from the contract. If you live a life without submission, you give a legal right for the enemy to press your borders anytime he wishes. That's why we stay in covering. We stay tight. We stay in relationship. Just remember that the children of Israel for 40 years, you see that wonderful thing? that we talked about before, that their shoes never wore out. Do you remember that? You read that in the scripture? And the clothes were good. You put on weight, you lost weight, it was great. That was the kind of wardrobe that everybody should have. You put on weight, they kind of like expand a bit. Then you get to the summer months when you're all on salad. It all comes down again. And then you're back on, you know, it's one of those. They go up and down, their clothes expanded with them. There was always water provision. Wherever they went, the rock went with them. Where was the provision? when they stayed under the cloud and they stayed under the fire. God says you can be on your own saying, I've got my own sat-nav and I've decided I can find a promised land an awful lot quicker than 40 years. I'm doing one myself. So you set off with your party. Provision and covering and protection stopped at that moment when you stepped out of what God was building over your life. If we're going to bring terror to terror, we have to stay in order. We have to stay aligned. So let's pick up the points. In verse 2 of chapter 17 of Samuel, Israel drew up their battle lines. Then in verse 8 and 11, it declares this. Goliath stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Good question. Good question. Why are you even standing here in the first place? 
I, uh, am I not a Philistine and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. And if he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing this, the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now, it sounds great, doesn't it? Every day you come out and the scripture says for 40 days, morning and evening at the time of sacrifice, you're just coming out to worship. When you're coming to worship, you stand here on a Sunday morning and it comes out and then the lies start pushing back. You can't worship today. You feel like rubbish. What about that? What about the way you've lived this week? What about what you said? Look at the thoughts you said about her. You already said a dress is rubbish. All the things that go through your head. Now, it's not that's not great intimidation. But that intimidation increases and increases and increases in your life, pushes you back. They were terrified. Now, let me give you one rule, one rule of thumb. You can never, never, ever make a peace treaty with the enemy and think he's going to adhere to it. Pat, if you'll just won't do that, I'll leave you alone. He won't. You know, if there's anything you find from Scripture, not only is he a liar and the father of lies from the beginning... The one who looks to kill, steal and destroy is that wonderful one verse. And the enemy left him and waited for an opportune time. He will come back when he's going to give maximum devastation, destroy your testimony, pull everything down, make you look a burp, do whatever. He's going to wait for that opportune time where you give him entrance and he'll blow the wheels from off your cart. But then we start to see a change. Now, remember, there's a bloodline in the middle of the valley. 1 Samuel 17, verse 20. Early in the morning, David left the flock in care of the shepherds. He loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed him. He reached the camp of the enemy, just sorry, of the army, just as he was going out to his battle positions, shouting their war cry. Brilliant. Say what you want, but if you've got no action... Shut up. All of us know who were around on that night when we did Agents of Change. And something just spiritually, nobody said it, nobody commanded us to do it. We just did it. We locked up. We locked up. Oh, I tell you, I feel the goosebumps now on the back of my neck. There was something happened in the spirit that night when the church joined shield. It locked together and then we roared. Something shook somewhere when we roared. I tell you, something deep. It wasn't just a, oh, what a good thing to do. All them people sat around. Look at you, Burks from the Dream Center. That night was about us. That night wasn't about any of the other churches that were involved. Great, you've been blessed, wonderful. There's a mercy drop that's coming your way. But that night, prophetically, something God established in this house. And we pushed out. But it says here that every day, the Israelites came out at that time. They took their battle positions and shouted. Andy said this morning, we all shouted freedom. Right. But when the enemy presses you in and says, Pat, what about that cancer? What about that sickness? What about that relationship? What about your unsafe son, daughter, husband, wife, brother, sister? All of that, at that time of you shouting, something instantly comes back and tries to close you back down again. Something takes hold of you and pushes up. You can draw a battle line all day long, but you have to take talk to action. 1 Samuel 17, 26. David asked the man standing near him, what will be done for this man who kills his Philistine and removes the disgrace from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Question. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Question two. Can the enemy say the same about you? David stood in position, knowing his God, standing strong. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that can defy the armies of the living God? Can the enemy stand here and say, who are you with your war cry? Without a circumcised heart, you think that you can step over this line and take me on. 
Protection works both ways. That David stood knowing who he was in his God. But if you have a life that's not submitted, if you have a life with unconfessed sin, if you have a life that's out of alignment, you step forward, put on your best battle gloves, pull out your little sword and think you're going to take him on. I can assure you, you're going to get the hiding of your life. Can he say back to you, are you uncircumcised also? The one thing the Spirit started to reveal to me about the circumcision was this. We know, not only does it tell us in Romans that we're called to be circumcised in our hearts, not in the flesh, so it's the, the part of the uh, requirements of the law are met. But in Deuteronomy chapter 30, it declares there, God says, I will have a people with circumcised hearts. So even though he's called all the people to be circumcised, there will be a people who will rise, whose hearts are given to him that he can shape that he can nurture, that he can build, that he can train, that he can equip, that he can build his life into, that can reflect the Christ. You will never, here's a statement for you, because it's a prerequisite to what God's doing in your life. You are never, ever so vulnerable as you are that when God circumcises you. Shall I show you biblically? Joshua chapter 5 says this, that the people have already been prepared. They've crossed the Jordan. God has told Joshua, right, Joshua, get all the people together. Tell the people to consecrate themselves for tomorrow I will do amazing things amongst you. And they're all dead giddy because God's going to do something. We're finally going into the promised land. The Jordan River backs up. They cross the river. They get to the other side. Yes, all ready to take and take possession of the land. Now, when you read other chapters, you find out this, that every man of military age died in the wilderness. And everybody born in the wilderness was not circumcised. So then God turns around and tells Joshua, make flint knives. Sorry, you don't have to read this bit. Make flint knives and circumcise the entire military fighting force. You imagine you've just stepped into a new territory. You're ready to fight the enemy who are all prepared and ready for you to turn up. And in that moment, God takes away your entire strength. You are left completely vulnerable. All that's holding you is the promise of God, where God says, I will protect you and I will be your hedge, your shield, your fortress, your strong deliverer. I'll be your tower because I will fight for you. If you're never willing to be made vulnerable, God can never change what's happening on the inside. But if, like me, I don't like to feel vulnerable. I like to feel in charge. I like to feel in control. I like to feel that it's all done at my pace. I like to feel that with all the wisdom that I can find in the church, I'm still the smartest. I like to think that about all of the counsel that can be given in the church, it's me who's giving it and not taking it. But again, that's never going to be anybody else, is it? But well, there's that place that when God is shaping our lives and building, we can push through. The process came from obedience, consecration, and circumcision. We've heard the word over and over again where God says, I'm after your heart. I'm looking to circumcise your heart. Will you put your lives in my hand? Will you give me something to work with? Can we shape it? Can we push it through? 1 Samuel 17, 45 to 48 declares this. David said to the Philistines, you come against me with a sword, spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give your carcass to the Philistine army, to the birds and to the wild animals and to the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into my hands. As the Philistines moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. The season of liberty is here. 
God has said, up until Christmas, there is healing, there is cleansing, there is deliverance. There's the opportunity to be made whole. Will you run to the battle line? Will you run to take hold of it and say, my God, this day I bring terror to terror. That which has held me back, I'm saying I'm not going to have any longer. I will no longer put up with this. I'm going to say, my God, I'm breaking out. I'm going to start making right choices. I'm going to make right relationships. I'm going to push into him. I'm going to lay hold of him. I'm going to find the God that everybody else told me they have that I don't have. I'm going to find a God of provision. I'm going to find a God of breakthrough. I'm going to find a God who shapes and molds me. I'm going to find a God who speaks to me. I'm going to find a God who's intimate. I'm going to find my place in worship. My God, I'm going to push. My God, Father, you've already said that you've drawn that line. The border of blood has already been driven. I choose to stay in covenant. I stay in protection and I say, my God, I'm going to push forward from this place. And any time that the enemy wants to say, I'm invading your borders, guess what? I've got permission to push back. So, right, I'm going to say, you're going to be sick this week. I'm pushing back because I don't have it. Because by his stripes, I am healed. We start to stand from where he's sowing. We stand and say, right, shield to shield. And at those times where I might be weak, I might not have full strength. I know I can rely on Chris because he's my brother. I'm still standing with him. He didn't let my shield drop. As he felt my arm dropping in, he used that bit more strength to hold me up. In the day of battle, your troops will be willing in the day of your visitation. In the day of your visitation or power, God is in the midst. The people will be found willing. We've just had agents of change, a place of God encounter where people encountered God. The troops were willing, but we don't just be willing at the agents of change. Every day we step up and we take our position and we turn around and say, do you know what? There is sickness in the camp. We're going to push through until we see healing. We need breakthrough in the camp. We're going to push through until we see breakthrough. We're looking for men in the city. We'll push and we'll pray until we find the men in the city. But at that time, it's not a time. I mean, uh, Pastor Tony was sharing a, a scripture with me last night and it just grabbed him. And as he said it, I could see it. I gave him the answer before he even said it. He said he was in Song of Solomons and it was the whole thing about the lover and I wait for you to put your hand through the latch and all the stuff. And then he appears and she says, hang on a minute. Do we need to put my shoes back on again? Do we need to put my robe back on again? Do we need to prepare myself again because I've already done it? And when she opens the door, the lover had gone. And it's the point of it became inconvenient with me to meet with God. Don't miss your visitation. At this time, oh, but Phil, do you know how busy we're going to be up till Christmas? Do you know what we've got to do? Have my life. Do you know how busy we're going to be? All of the reasons are here where I won't be found in his presence, where I'm not going to seek his face, where I go, well, I was thinking about it and I read Every Day with Jesus this week and it never said anything about a bloodline and how to press in and how to be made whole. We've got to lay hold of him. We have to take an action. Why? Because for so long, you've been pushed back. God says, I'm giving you permission to rise as a house and push him back. We can bring terror to terror. So let me leave you with this one thought. It's not my thought. It's not an original thought, but it's a great thought. When was the last time you did something for the first time? When was the last time you did something for the first time? You took God at his word. You made a stand. You pushed back. You found him to be God of the breakthrough. You gave a prophecy. You gave a testimony. You prayed for somebody. I tell you, when you align yourselves, you do not have to look for opportunities, for opportunities will find you. Minding my own business, Friday night, the girls had all gone out, all Teletubbies. They'd all gone out on, on uh, the stand, hen night, that was it. Called them the Teletubbies because it was tipsy, dipsy and la la. I think all went out. So they'd all gone out. I go down to get some food. I was on babysitting duty. Went down with Dan. Went to get some food. The restaurant was clear. Imran, our link, turns around. He has a look around. Can we have a private chat? Yeah. Why don't you tell me about your Jesus? This is the Muslim guy. He's just come back from his Hajj. Just two months ago, tell me about your Jesus. Why is he different from Muhammad? Because I've started to look into this and I believe there's this difference and that. And I, for 15 minutes, just shared the gospel with him. But I only wanted a kebab. <laughs> just shared the gospel with him, just built. And do you know what he turned around and he said? He said, Do you know what my biggest regret is? He said, What's that, Imran? You know, thinking that he's going to say, It's shaving my hair or something. I should have been at your conference. 
He said, because when I heard there was a prophet in town, we have been told there is only one prophet, and that's Muhammad. You said there's a prophet in town. I needed to hear what God said. <sighs> Pushback. Pushback. Opportunities will find you. But like being in the hospital, Mary, will you pray for us? <laughs> I'm on my way, Mary, the parking ticket's gone down. Now. The clampers, the clampers out here, it's Oldham, they'll be clamped. There's always a reason why I'm not going to do it. In the opportunity there about, tell me about your Jesus. I don't want to tell you about Jesus because I'm hungry and it's delaying my order. You find your divine moment. Terror to terror isn't just grabbing Satan, shouting, shaking him by the scruff of the neck like a raggedy chicken. It's about when you and I live the life that we propose to have, it brings terror into his camp. And it starts with simple steps. Practical and spiritual hand in hand. What does that mean? Be willing to take a risk. Why not make a friend? Why not start a new relationship? Why not speak to somebody? Why not just start to take baby steps? We're not talking about taking the world tomorrow. We're talking about you making a friend. You be willing to take a risk and say, do you know what? I've got this circle of four friends and nobody ever gets in. Well, why not make it six or eight or ten? Why not stretch it? Why not open your hearts? Why not just embrace somebody else? Why not help them come to see what you have seen? As we push forward. And the more he pushes, we choose as a house to push back. Because we have drawn the line. The armies have been divided by the line of blood. But as far as I'm concerned, I believe from scripture we're on the victory side. So from that, we're pushed back. Amen? Amen. Let's just stand to our feet. You know, it'd be really easy now to do some saber rattling. Come on, we're all going to push the devil back. But, you know, we just have to make decisions in our lives that as God is starting to work and he's speaking to us, he's declared from heaven that before Christmas, we can be free. We know we are free in Christ. Amen. But it's that key that's going to unlock maybe doors that have held you captive for so long. It's time to face some things that you've maybe been putting off for a long time and be rid of it once and for all. Amen. We want to be rid of some things once and for all as we lay hold of him. So come on, church, just in a, a, a prophetic action, as we raise our hands, we're just going to say, my God, Father, as we have been pushed back for too long, Lord God, Father, we say that we bring terror to terror. That, Lord God, Father, we thank you. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. That you are looking to build the complete Christ in our lives this morning. Every hindrance, every roadblock, every obstacle. My God, Father, we pray that, Lord, you give us the technologies, you give us the training to push it back. And my God, Father, we make that step today, Lord God. Father, we say we step into covering, we step into where you are. Lord God, the enemy cannot cross that bloodline. That, Lord God, we're in that place right now. That, Lord God, Father, we say you have patterns. That when a man was in position, the Israelites could not invade that territory. Lord God, Father, we, Lord, take that prophetic action. We close our borders today, Lord God. We close the borders around our lives. Lord God, Father, where we've let things in, Lord, whether it be through our eyes through our ears, Lord God, through our mouths, the gates, Lord God, into our soul and into our spirit that we've opened up before. Lord God, Father, we say we close the border today. We choose this far and no further. And we say, my God, Father, when he presses, we will press back. Oh, my God, we just want to delight in you. We want to thank you for what you're doing. For, Lord, as we've heard and we sang again this morning, you are constant in the trial and in the change. Lord, you are the one constant thing that we hold in our lives. And, Lord God, we bless you. We give you glory. And we give you all the praise. And the people of God said, Amen. 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 Just very quickly before we break. I just want to share something with you quickly. Um, everything that Phil said this morning has really resonated within me because um, since Agents of Change... A lot of us, not just me, have been quite physically not well. And, uh, but in the spirit, I feel strong. In the flesh, I feel weak. And, and I feel like I've really been under attack. And um, this last week, 
Phil's just spoken then about false, about fear and about false evidence appearing real. And just very, very quickly, I don't need to go into too much detail, he ended up um, having an asthma attack on Wednesday night. He ended up in A&E on Thursday. And on Friday, those of you who've known me for a long time, you'll remember back in 2005 that I ended up for a full year off work with pleurisy and pneumonia, and I struggled to breathe for a whole year. And on Friday, I actually I was off work for two days. I said to my husband, I feel like this is coming on me again. I said, and if this hits me again, I'm not going to survive it. I said, because I nearly didn't last time. And right away, the Spirit of God rose up in me and said, have you heard yourself? Yeah. And I'm looking at that this morning. And it was that song we sang this morning. It says, you will always be my God, so I will stand. Yeah, and that took me to Ephesians 6 about the armor of God. And it says, therefore, put on the whole armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. And it talks about putting the full armor of God on. And we talked there, and that was an amazing day. That night when we all locked shields in, there was, there was a marker laid down in the spirit over this house this, that day, that the bloodline's there, and there's no going back from that point. And I just look at that, even though it says to stand, and this is what the Lord showed me this morning, it's not just to stand, it's to advance and to accelerate. The standing means that we're not bowing to whatever it is that's coming against us. Because if we're not standing against it, we're either sitting down and allow it to take over, or we're bowing to it. So the standing is confronting it, but we're called to advance and accelerate. And so we can feel, you know, God's answering all my prayers. The girls, I've given testimonies to the girls. Everything I pray for, thank God and glory to his name. Every prayer is being answered. But I'm physically being battered. But our God, we've got the victory through our God. Amen. Amen. Well, bless you guys. Uh, coffee shop's going to be open today. Have a chat, but if you can help.